0: Before we begin, a note of warning: the language used and the topics explored in this podcast are not suitable for listeners younger than eighteen. Your discretion is advised. From the Spade and Archer Studios, welcome to Behind the Yard Sign, the podcast that pulls back the curtain to reveal the real world of real estate with your hosts, Justin M. Reardon and Amy Romberg.
1: So, welcome to a very special edition of Behind the Yard Sign. It's Justin Reardon. I'm flying solo today. Amy Romberg had some family issues that she needs to take care of, and so she's going to take a sabbatical from the podcast for a couple months, but. She- she will be back. All is well with her. She's just got a lot on her plate right now. And so Amy, if you're listening to this, we love you, babe. She did tell me once it's a secret that she never listened to the podcast, which I think is hysterical. Today we have a super awesome guest with us. It's Dan Vaughn, who actually runs Spade and Archer's uh, Seattle locations. He's back in the green room. I'm going to go back there. I'm going to get him I'm going to bring him out. He <laughs> had this awesome green room request. He said he wants to go skydiving with Henry Cavill, uh, who's like Superman, like literally. And we don't have enough room in the green room for skydiving. I know it's a really big room, but so we went and got one of those giant skydiving machines. It's like a giant fan that you put on the floor and like Henry Happel's back there like teaching him how to do skydiving. So uh, we're going to learn all about Dan, his background, what's going on in our Seattle offices, what's going on in this market. Super interesting guy. You're going to love this episode. I'll be right back. Dan, holy cow. How is that skydiving, man? What's going on? What, what do you think? That was amazing. Thanks huh. for making that happen. So you could have picked anybody in the world to go skydiving with, and you were like, it's Superman. What's up? Well, yeah, that dude, why? If you're going to fly, might as well be with Superman. That's a pretty good answer. Yeah, yeah. All right, so Dan, you run the Spade and Archer offices in Seattle, right? Correct. What does that mean, you run the offices? So
0: I'm the creative director here. I manage all of the client interactions Here, I put together the plans, help schedule with our um, administrative coordinator, Bea then I direct our employees every day and do creative direction with them and just make sure that everything is running to spade and archer standards here
1: so it's like a little bit of operations a little bit of marketing a little bit of communications a little bit of design a little bit of like it's kind of you're like everything you're the catch-all when anything bit, goes yeah. wrong you, yeah. you 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 catch it <laughs> yes exactly when the finger gets pointed it's pointed at you is that the, is that the name of the game uh, sometimes sometimes but I mean
0: that's that's part of the position
1: all right so let's go back back, let's rewind. Where did you grow up? How many siblings? Who raised you? Give me that whole story. I
0: am local, greater Seattle. Grew up until I was 12 in Kenmore. Raised most of the time by my single dad and three siblings.
1: He had... Which one are you? Which sibling are you?
0: I am the third out of four. So middle-ish child. Middle-ish. Then when I was, I think, 12, we moved to Seattle. Uh, My dad got (laughs) remarried. And so it was me, my younger brother, and Two step-siblings for my dad's new marriage. So then my teenage years, I grew up in North Seattle. Life changed a lot from going from sort of a small town to more of an urban city. But I liked it. I like there's actually things to do, people to meet, more diversity. Got around Seattle and it's home. What did you want to be when you were a kid? I think the one thing I always come back to when I think about that question
1: is inventor. Inventor. I've always wanted to make things. What was it? Necessity is the mother of invention. Um, We're like, you know, something is wrong, and so you invent this thing to like take care of that problem. I feel like design is like the distant cousin <laughs> of invention. Is that we take these things and kind of invent a new space every single day? So you kind of got there. You're kind of like an inventor, right? Yeah. Yeah. This is
0: this is as close as I've been. I I think design and invention are very hand in hand.
1: You are kind of a jack of all trades. What would what was your best job before you went before you came to Spade and Archer? What was your worst job before you came to Spade and Archer? So I have done a lot of things.
0: I spent a lot of time cooking in kitchens. The best job I had was probably working at a bar as a cook. Yeah. A relaxed environment. Remember that show, Cheers? Like, everybody knows yeah. your name. It was like yeah. that for me there. Just warm and great. I love the food that we cooked and made things from scratch. The worst job was another cooking job. And I only stayed there for a week because the owner was a little bit intense for me. I did a working interview there. Everything went fine. And then I came on for a week and something switched with him. And I was like, I don't think I can perform the way you need me to here. So I was like, this isn't the best fit for me.
1: Uh, <laughs> so I, I moved on from there. My my worst job I was working, it was like right out of college. I moved from Hawaii, I went to school in Hawaii, I moved to San Francisco, and I got this job at this at this architecture firm, and they specialized in water infiltration details for buildings that had been built improperly started to leak, and then they were suing the contractor. Cause in California you can sue the contractor for 10 years for water infiltration. And so not very creative work at all. Like not what I was looking for at all in architecture, because you know I wanted to be fabulous and Wear shoes that clicked, and you know it was just not like that. And it was in a warehouse that currently in San Francisco, it's where the ballpark is. So at the time, there was all these warehouses that were sitting there. They were all empty because they were all going to be torn down within the next year for the new ballpark to come in. And so it was super duper low rent. It was like the offices of this warehouse. The warehouse was empty. You had to go across this big catwalk to get to the offices, and there were always dead pigeons on the catwalk because birds would get trapped in the warehouse and just die in there. There was one big bathroom, but instead of it being like individual use, it was one big bathroom with just stalls. And so there was like seven or eight people in the office, men and women, and you would knock on the door and wait for somebody to scream because the owner was too cheap to put a lock on the door. So <laughs> like it was terrible. So I would go and I'd work there. I found out like within a week or so that like two or three of the employees were having affairs with each other, with other married employees. And it was happening like at the office. So whenever I come in, I would like, look at my dad to see if things had moved to see if people were touching (laughs) stuff or not. And then at 5 p.m., the owner of the company would like move some documents on his desk and underneath these documents, there'd be an ashtray and he would start smoking in the office at 5 p.m. And one time I was like, isn't it illegal to smoke in an office? And he was like, if you don't like it, you can go home. It's after 5 p.m. And I was like, oh my (laughs) God. oh my God, this is terrible. This is absolutely terrible. I couldn't, it was the worst job ever. I thankfully got a phone call from a company called Interior Architects, which had hardwood floors and my shoes could click across it. And they gave me a call and they offered me a job and I put in my resignation. I gave two weeks. I'd not only been there for a month and he yelled at me. He was like, just get out of my office. Just get out. And I was like, oh, okay. (laughs) He like literally kicked me out at that moment when I gave my resignation. I was like, see you later. And I called the new lady, Deborah Leifer was my new boss. I called her up and I was like, so I gave my notice and they told me to leave. Can I start tomorrow? And she's like, yes, you can. So it ended up being much better. It was just terrible. So you were a cook for a long time. You're cooking food. And then you end up in design. At some point, you, did you go back to school? Did you change your course? Like, what did, what did that look like?
0: So I cooked for a long time. And then I had a kid. And it turns out working late on weekends and not making a whole lot of money, even if you love what you do, isn't conducive for a family life. All right, let's make some kind of change. Uh, Started looking into programs around me. My wife, Amber, helped out a lot. When we She went and interviewed some schools with me, found the Art Institute of Seattle, looked through their programs.
1: They talked to me about industrial design, which kind of struck a chord with me. Tell us what industrial design is, because in my mind, I see like, you know, cranes or hard hats, something like, you know.
0: Uh, so industrial design is more consumer based. So it's any
1: kind of product that's mass manufactured. Okay, so like teapots or silverware?
0: Teapots, silverware, your phone, your computer, cars, airplanes. Uh, It's a pretty broad spectrum. There's some kind of crossover between interior design and industrial design. We had a lot of shared classes, in fact. We had to learn a lot of the same concepts. I've always been kind of a hands-on person, so the industrial design had a big old tool shop there, so I got to make stuff. 3D printers, laser cutters, all that kind of stuff. I happen to like gadgets. So I went... And did that. Seattle Art Institute went through a transition of ownership and happened mm. to be closing down uh, right when I graduated. But I mm. did graduate uh, with honors. And when I got out, I was looking to get in kind of any kind of design field. And I didn't really know much about home staging. I found an ad, probably on Craigslist or something, for another staging company, uh, but it was under design. So I went and got hired on as a a warehouse person with the hopes of kind of learning more design since, you know, I went to school for design. It's what I wanted to do. Uh, hoping for some training wasn't really happy with the position there uh, after working like almost a year Uh, it was fun i liked most of the crew but i just wasn't really advancing my career
1: you came to us and you had a degree in design which is always super important to us and you had home staging experience you'd work for this other home stager putting together spaces and when you came to us i was like oh yeah this guy absolutely this guy and so he came in and talked to us you started off with us as a junior designer right yeah and so then uh, you were a junior designer, and then you moved up to design manager, which was like at the time the way that the offices worked is that the designers kind of had a lot of communication responsibilities with other with other folks. And then um, we you stay with us like you did you come to us during COVID or before COVID? I forget. It was right at the beginning of COVID. <laughs> yeah, you're yeah. like welcome to your new job and your new crazy life. Um, so you came on through COVID. Towards the end of COVID, every industry had like the mass resignation, and so we had a total topsy turvy and you stepped up you were like yeah I can do this uh, I came to you and I was like hey Dan how would you feel about running this office you had super good communication skills you were a great designer you were always willing to try something new you always listened I was thoroughly impressed and I was like hey we'll put you in the position and let's see what happens let's see where this this thing goes and I think I came up how long did I spend with you like just one-on-one you and I hanging out together about a month or so right yeah month, a yeah. month and a half maybe Honestly, like the office has been doing fantastic. We have very few changeouts at this point. Our projects look beautiful. The design work is great. The houses are selling. The clients are happy. I couldn't really ask for much more. And I I think what makes you so wonderful as a creative director is that you are incredibly calm. Because I mean, I have seen people like scream at you and say terrible things about you know our, our work and you know you can't solve you can't solve everybody's problem all the time and I've seen you say so incredibly calm and say you know I understand we're gonna do our absolute best to get that fixed for you you really don't like do you ever get upset do you ever get riled like are you just calm like that or what like that's so foreign to me <laughs>
0: I am a little bit different off work. I know professionally that's that's what you got to do. You got to stay calm. I've seen people get too upset um, in so many different work environments, and it just never goes well. So if I'm I'm responsible for I think nine employees underneath me,
1: so I have to I have to stay calm for them. So if I get upset, what's going to happen with them? They're going to get upset. And- it's it is true. Employees, I always say employees are like puppies. They're not like cats. When you when you walk into the office and you're upset that day, by the end of the day, they will all be upset with you. Mm -hmm. Um, If you walk in the office and you're in a great mood and you're happy and lucky and smiley and all that, by the end of the day, they're all happy, lucky and smiley at the same way. Uh, They just follow you wherever you go. Whereas with cats, you know, you walk in and you're in a happy mood and they're like, I don't care. I'm going to feel how I feel today. (laughs) I'm indifferent to your emotions. (laughs) And so maybe that's maybe that's the key is that, you know, you you're pretty happy guy overall like I rarely see you ever like mad or depressed you stay calm you always come in happy your team seems to go with you they seem to really enjoy working with you and maybe that's your your secret sauce so uh, what are you feeling out there like in Seattle if you're when you're out in the field what's the feedback that you're getting from uh, the agents about where the market is going like what are things looking like what is it like everything seems a little bit scary right now what's happening
0: Um, they're Definitely seems to be some some people that are unsure about what's going to happen. A lot of people are trying to hold on to what we've had uh, with this like quick market high prices, multiple offers. I think a lot of them are seeing that it is fluctuating a little bit. So I'm noticing people using our guaranteed program or pay at close program a little bit more because it's a better deal for them if it's going to stay on the market for just a few yeah, months. And,
1: and no risk. If it doesn't sell, you don't pay us, right? So. Yeah, I think the fact that we have that is great. Yeah, it seems to be
0: that prices are slightly coming down, maybe. We'll see. I don't really know what
1: that's going to look like in the long run uh, in a market like Seattle. Are Seen like actual price drops on properties? Like, you, you're, you're in the process of buying a house right now, right? Like, you're in the market. We're in the market. We're looking. Are you following houses a little bit? I think my wife's been following
0: them more than I have. We found one a couple of weeks ago, perfect for us. Needed some work below 400,000, three bedroom with a yard. They just hadn't updated it online. Mm-hmm. So, I yeah. called my agent and I was like, Hey, I think we found one. He calls. The selling agent, and he was like, oh, yeah, that's sold. They had like 20 offers. It's going 100,000 over. They just never updated it online.
1: Oh, oh <laughs> come on. Come on. What do, I mean, when when that doesn't happen, when we don't update those listings online, it wastes everybody else's time. Plus, it wastes your time because you're getting 100 phone calls about this project that you already are sold. So what's your family makeup? Like, how many kids do you have? Tell us about your family. I
0: have two kids, Caroline and Bruce. Caroline is eight. Bruce is Six. They are large personalities. A lot of fun.
1: You gave them like very adult names. These are not like, you know, Sammy and Tammy. This is Caroline <laughs> and Bruce. They work in accounting. <laughs> they're going to make sure that you get those documents on time. Like they seem like those are very grown up names. Well, they're going to be old someday. They might as well be ready. Right. My kid's name is Dooley, which is like a consistently six-year-old's name. They're like, he's <laughs> so cute. Name him Peanut. <laughs> <laughs> so you're a family of four. So you're looking for a three bedroom, two bath with a yard, right? Like that's yeah. the ideal. That's the gold standard, right? And so as you go out there, you look for this. I mean, honestly, every house we have ever bought and sold, we have always sold at the top of the market. We've always bought at the bottom of the market. We bought our first house two months after 9-11 in San Francisco. There was a, when 9-11 happened, everybody just froze. Boom, it froze. And for the first time in probably, I don't know, 30 years, there were actually price drops in San Francisco. And so we got a smoking hot deal on a house. That had been set on the market for a long time. Um, And that was like literally a couple months after 9-11. We sold that house in like 2007, right before the crash happened. And then we waited for uh, six months before we bought, we ended up buying in like 2008 bought that house at the bottom market, This, the last house that we owned, it went on the market for $740,000. We bought it for four hundred. dollars This idea of shopping when others are not. You know, the Super Bowl happens every year, right? So we always go, there's a water park here with like water slides and stuff. We always go to the water park on Super Bowl Sunday because nobody's there. It's also like the best time to shop on eBay. Like if you see a bid that is ending during the Super Bowl, that's the best time to buy something because you're not competing against any else. And so with this market where all of a sudden the interest rates are higher and there's not a lot of competition out there, this is like the best time to be buying houses right now. Um, Why buy when everybody else is buying? Buy when nobody else is buying. That's when it's less crowded. That's why people, you're going to put in an offer and you may be the only offer and they're going to work with you hard to get that thing sold. So I think this is a fantastic time to be buying a house. Most certainly better than it was last year. Last year is like you're going to buy at the top of the market and overpay by $150,000 and get a hard money loan and end up with a house that's underwater that sounds terrible to me Do you know what the term underwater means underwater means that you took a loan out let's say you you took a loan out because the house at that time you bought the house for a million dollars okay but home values have dropped and so now the house is worth seven hundred thousand dollars but you have a loan for a million dollars it means that even if you sold the house you would have to pay another $300,000 in order to just be whole. That's what being underwater is. It's like being upside down on your mortgage. You always want to make sure that the value of your house is greater than the value of your mortgage. (laughs) Does that make sense? You want to owe less on your house than it's worth. And during 2007, during that Great Recession, that's what happened with all those mortgages, all those people, the houses got repossessed, is that they had bought at the top of the market and then the prices tumbled and they had uh, these loans that were for or more than the house was worth. And so the smart thing to do at that point is to pack your stuff and leave and just walk away from it and just take the hit on having a foreclosure on your record, uh, because that's going to disappear in seven years. But will you be able to earn $300,000 extra in seven years to pay that off? I mean, that sounds like a terrible option. So buying at a time when you're not competing against a ton of people, I think is an absolutely great idea. So you're in, you're in good shape, boss. Tell us about your team. Who are you working with over at Spade and Archer? Oh, my
0: team. Uh, I have a great team up here. The three originals here that have been here before I took over are Uriel, Marcos, and Pedro. And they've been supportive through the big transition we had. And they're great with training everybody else that comes on We've got a couple great designers, Megan and Haley. Haley, we actually hired as a warehouse person last year, and she was interested in design. So we started giving her opportunities to do projects, and she just picked right up on it. Um, So she's a great designer now.
1: Haley's kind of amazing. So I think she was the first female to ever be hired and last longer than a week as a warehouse person. Uh, Because, I mean, that's carrying and moving furniture, like doing it. I think she was also the first warehouse person to transition from warehouse into design and do it successfully. And she's been doing it for a year more? I think almost a year. Incredibly smart, super intuitive. I think she's got a degree in psychology, right? Yeah. And psychology, uh, home staging is the intersection of psychology and interior design. And so one of those two trades, you got to have design or you got to have psychology, you got to be able to have a background in this. And she understands how people think and view spaces. And she puts together spaces that are just flipping beautiful. They are they're so intuitively set up and you walk in and you're like, Oh, this is how it's supposed to be. Super smart, super smart. Love it. They're doing amazing.
0: We have Megan, our other designer. Uh she yeah. had a little bit of home staging experience working with another real estate agent before she oh, came here. Yes. And a lot of photography experience. So she understands where the shots are going to be taken from. And that's one of the most important parts of home staging because of course you want to create a beautiful space for somebody to walk through, but People do most of their shopping online and they look back at everything online. So uh, we need to make sure that the photos are beautiful and that everything is in the right place. So Megan is very intuitive when it comes to knowing the photo is going to be from over here. We need to have everything set up at this angle or against this wall. It's great.
1: I noticed about Megan is that she has an amazing sense of composition, like being able to put colors together in a way that makes sense in a space so that when that photograph takes taken, it always has this beautiful like way of keeping your eye moving around the photograph. Like there's nothing stagnant in her designs. It always looks super interesting. But like, she's also like really good at pushing the edge of, because, you know, we have very set standards at Spade and Archer, right? Like this is how we do it. And she's really good at like pushing the edge and being like, well, maybe we could move a little bit and create this new thing and i think she's super successful at doing that she definitely likes to
0: try new things and i think she's found that balance of not trying something completely new it's something that still edges into our set design aesthetics and like okay let's mix in these new things and let's start to create something new um over time.
1: Yeah. It's not Spade and Archer becomes Stager X. It's Spade and Archer 2.0 or 3.1, or it's the new iteration. I mean, it, which absolutely makes sense. If you look back, Spade and Archer at this point is 13 years old. We have redesigned our logo seven times you would never notice it when we did our last redesign, which was a whole like makeover. The whole thing started all over again. Not a single person mentioned it because it looked enough like our old logo that people were just like, oh, it looks like your logo took a nice nap. It looks very well rested, which I think is like good plastic (laughs) surgery, right? If you walk in the door and you're like, oh, you had cheek implants. Like that's not good plastic surgery. But if you walk in the door and you're like, wow, you look really well rested. That is good plastic surgery. So that's what Megan's doing for us on a regular basis. She's keeping us like fresh, and and hip as the old guy would say if you if you have to say it's hip it's clearly not hip so uh, she's keeping us fresh for sure (laughs) (laughs) all right so the rest of your team tell us about the rest of your team uh we have josh josh came to
0: us i think right after graduating from hawaii he's got a degree in architecture right he has a degree in architecture He's very qualified for becoming a designer if he wants to. I'm not sure which direction he's going to go, but I'm just happy he's on the team right now. He's he's my favorite energy here.
1: Super positive. Yeah.
0: Super yeah. positive. Always fun and super hard worker. And he just like he likes to work out. So he just like he just eats those stairs like it's. It's just a pre workout for him. He was like, more stairs? Yes. It's amazing. Go just watch him go.
1: He's from Hawaii and he went to architecture school in Seattle. I am from the Pacific Northwest and I went to architecture school in Hawaii. So we have this like kismet thing where we like kind of cross each other in our educations and paths. So yeah, I love it. Let's see.
0: We have Connor. Connor is actually an old friend of mine. I grew up with him when I, well, once I moved to Seattle. I was talking about earlier when I moved to Seattle into my dad's new fiance's house. Connor was the first person I met locally. He was friends Mm -hmm. with my stepsister. Apparently they had a relationship where they just walk into each other's houses and say hi. So he just walked in and I was the only person there. He was like, Oh, Hey, who are you? (laughs) Like "I'm, I'm Daniel. Who are you? I think we ended up going to a party together that night. Friends birthday party. So he's always just been kind of a base friend of mine who's introduced me to so many other people.
1: And he's a dad like us, right? Like he's got kiddos too. Yeah. Super nice guy. I took a trip with him down to LA. We were packing up some stuff down there to bring it back up to the Circle of West and had a chance to like sit down and have dinner with him. Just a super nice guy. So even keeled. Like I don't, like that guy does not get upset. And he's like, just, we're just going to take it in stride. I'm like, okay. We have Christian who is
0: a little bit newer with us i haven't got a chance to know him super personally yet but uh he's great he's he's kind of like connor he's even keeled he just kind of goes with the flow he comes he works he goes home but he's just he's always calm i haven't seen him i haven't seen him really get too upset by things he's just a nice chill person to have around you need help he's there to help you
1: So Dan, tell me about your biggest innovation in home staging. Like what, when you came in and you started running the office, what have you done that has made it better? The way that we're doing it now compared to the way we used to do it
0: i guess let me start like when i when i first came here after leaving another staging company what i liked was how everything was set up with a process here everything was intentional you just had a set way of doing things and that's why it worked so when i took over director there was a few things that we were doing that just kind of didn't really have a, a program to it so like one oh, of the there, things, was, there was no
1: set process yeah, yeah.
0: So when the guys were loading or unloading the trucks, everybody wanted to make sure that everybody was doing equal work, which, you know, is a fair way to treat your fellow employees, but they were all jumping in and out of the truck and waiting for each other and probably killing their knees and lower back doing so. I was like, hey, why don't you just have one person in the truck grabbing things, handing them out, and then... You have nobody breaking their knees. It's actually a lot faster, and more efficient. And it's probably a lot more work staying in the truck, running back and forth than you think it is.
1: Well, I think we ended up like we were booking, you know, somewhere between five and 10 hours of overtime every single week under that process. And once we stopped doing that and started doing the one person in the truck, all of our overtime went away. And <laughs> so it definitely made it much more efficient. You also you put together a, a checklist that lives at the front door. Tell me about that. It definitely
0: wasn't just me. That was with the help of uh, the team here and kind of some collaborative thinking. Uh, We noticed on really large projects that sometimes you don't even see somebody you're working with all day. So Mm. communication might get a little bit lost and we have a lot of fine detail work that we do on the job. So things like polishing glassware or wiping down furniture with pledge
1: setting timers steaming beds like yeah the things that we do every day right yeah getting lampshades put in place so we noticed that
0: when people might start this maybe they might get called away or uh, you don't know somebody started it so we started a checklist of just these basic action items we do throughout the day mm-hmm. and we go and when you're done with it you go put a little check next to it so somebody can come check this. I'm like, okay, I don't need to I don't need to That's set done. timers because somebody
1: yeah. already did it. So it's like a check-in place where like everybody leaves their little messages that says, like, hey, I'm working on timers. Okay, I'm done with timers. Nobody else has to do that because I'm taking care of it. And so often, you know, you're in the middle of putting light bulbs into all the lamps and somebody says, hey, we need to move this room. Can we all gather together and, and rotate this room 90 degrees? And so everybody gets called away from their task and then they have to go back and start their task all over again. And a little bit of up like that can set a a space back for a long time. And I mean, we're staging upwards of three, four thousand square feet of home staging in eight hours, Uh, because you get an hour to get there, eight hours to stage it, and an hour to get back to the warehouse. And it takes a lot of coordination to be able to move into a house in eight hours. I always love it when (laughs) your real estate agent calls and they're like, hey, so uh, we're going to have the photographer there at noon, so can you guys just make sure you're done by noon? Like, we are moving into an entire house in one day. we're going to actually take the entire day to do this. You can't have the photographer show up. It is one of the toughest things that happens to us is the photographer shows up and then the photographer is mad at us because we're not done. And then the real estate agent is mad at us because we're not done. And we're like, wait, we're, we going to, we're going to take all day. We'll be here until six. And we tell every single person we're here until six. Um, and you always say like, schedule your photograph, photograph for the next day, just in case, just in case next day. It. So what are like some of the things that uh, you have found have been like, what's your, what's your hardest, Day in home staging.
0: Oh, let's see. Hardest day in home staging. I think I know which day that was. And it was a roller coaster of a day. We had a project that I was running when I was a designer. I put a lot of a lot of thought into this project. It was one I was I was really proud of. It turned out great. The client was not so happy with it. And they had used mm-hmm. us before. In fact, they bought the house with our staging in it, but then done a ton of work to the house and thought the staging should be a lot different than it was and it was different much more contemporary and I think we staged for that they just weren't happy with what we did and called me as soon as we left or texted me said some weird things I thought it was a prank I was like somebody's got to be pranking me they were like it's it's terrible don't you think I want it out I want it all out right now and just, I'm like, how are you already in there? So we just left. So it just turned into this, this giant thing. And it happened to be the same day that you had called me and offered me the director position. So I was like, <laughs> man, things are going great. This project <laughs> is turning out great. Uh, I was just offered a new position. Like, everything is great. And then very the most upset client I've ever dealt with, it took you and Chad came and I'll restage almost the entire house just to make this person happy and broke a ton of our, like, things we didn't normally do. Because it was just, at that point, you know, we just, we want to make them happy.
1: I remember this story because the real estate agent wanted a whole bunch of stuff and the seller wanted a whole bunch of stuff and they were not talking to each other. So they were both telling us to do different things. And then we also have our rules of, like, how we stage houses to get them sold. And so we had to go in, because you guys in the next day, like, you had to go and stage other houses. And I think I actually drove up from that day from Portland to go back and restage that house. It was very different than what we usually do. It was fine. It turned out it looked fine before we staged it. It looked fine after we staged it. And, uh, and the and the truth of the matter is, it sold in like twenty four hours. Like it doesn't. It it's, it was like yeah, it's it's staged. Either way, we're going to do a good job for you. But sometimes clients just need they just need to be they need to be in control. And so we let them be in control. <laughs> that I didn't realize that that was the same day you got the job offer. That's so crazy. it was. Yeah,
0: I remember one interesting thing about that change out was. The one room that I probably put the least amount of thought into, I just kind of let it fall together, was the one room they were super happy about. That room is great. This room is perfect. (laughs) I'm like, it was an easy room, but like I I didn't put as much thought into that room because it was just a secondary living room. But I was like, that's just amazing. That was definitely the most difficult day. I think I sat on the phone with that client for an hour after... You spent probably at least an hour speaking with them and Chad spent at least an hour speaking with them. And I just sat and let them talk my ear off and tell me everything they thought was wrong with everything. They're, they're much calmer at the end of it. I think they just, like you said, they
1: want to be in control. They want to hear They want to be heard selling a house can be super stressful and sometimes you just need somebody to exert control on and we are we are a really good person to do that with because we're just like yes whatever you want we'll take care of it sure uh-huh yes <laughs> yeah I had a client once staged the house I was up in Seattle staged the entire house put the whole thing together it looked super cute the client was in their mid-60s they were selling a the house they had been in the house for 35 years they raised their children there then they bought the house they had little little kids excellent school district. It was perfect. The buyer was going to be somewhere between 28 and 38 years old. They were going to have two smaller kids. Like I, we designed this house perfectly for that particular buyer. Um, the, they said, we don't like any of this. We want you to come here. And I was like, great, no problem. We'll do a walkthrough with you. We'll mark everything you don't like with a piece of tape and we'll come through and change it out. And she was like, okay, awesome. She invites the three neighbors over. So it is the seller, the real estate agent and three neighbors. We stop, and the first thing we do is we look at a couch. And the neighbor is like, I like that couch. And the other neighbor goes, I hate that couch. And then the seller says, you need to change the pillows. And then the real estate agent says, the lamps are too close to the couch. I'm like, so are we changing the couch or are we not changing the couch? And the seller's like, no. And the real estate agent's like, yes. And then the, the neighbor is like, no. And so then I, saw it, I said, guys, we need to stop. We've got seven opinions here. We need one person making decisions who is making the decisions on what's going on here. And so the, the three neighbors leave because I'm like, I can't do what all of you want me to do because none of you are giving the same direction. So the neighbors leave and now it's just the seller and the real estate agent. The real estate agent says, I just want my seller to be happy. I'm like, great, seller, tell us what you want. We put a piece of tape on every single piece of furniture in the entire house, all of it. Every single pillow, every single rug, every single coffee table, everything accessory throughout the entire house. And I'm like, great, super, we'll be back tomorrow to change all this. She goes, well, wait a second. You never gave us your opinion. You never told us what you think of this house. And I said, you want my opinion? And she was like, yeah. And I was like, it staged perfectly. And she goes, what do you mean? I hate it. I said, yeah, near you're 65 years old and you raised your children and you're moving on. And the buyer is gonna be between 38 and or 28 and 38. They're gonna have two small children. And for that demographic, this is absolutely perfect for them. And she goes, Okay, can we walk through it one more time? I'm like, Yeah. We took every single piece of tape off of every single piece of furniture except for one vase, which she complained because she said that it looked like a dog penis. <laughs> and I was like, Okay, we will take <laughs> off. I will, I will drive back to the warehouse and I will grab a different vase to put here. No problem. But it was really interesting because I think a lot of times what happens with sellers is that they forget they forget that they are not the client. They are a small business owner. They have one product to sell. And of all the people in the world, they're going to buy that house. They're not one of them. And I think that is overall tends to be the general complaint is that the seller doesn't like something. Well, they don't realize is that the buyer is going to be who they were when they bought that house originally. And I mean, it happened with me. We were um, a young gay couple with a with a little kid in in pre-K when we bought our house. And when, by the time we, by the time we sold our last house, Archie was in high school. We were done with it, and we staged the whole house. We had Spade and Archer come through and staged the house for us. And what ended up happening is that a gay couple who was in the process of adopting ended up buying our house. And so I was like, it just that's who buys your house is whoever you were when you first bought it. So what what do you love about home staging? What makes you passionate about? It? What makes you want to stay in this field every day? Come back to work. <laughs>
0: um, I think it's a little bit of of the hustle bustle, the almost chaos that I think I I got used to cooking in kitchens. Like it's, Mm -hmm. it's fast tempo. It's, there's always something new. We get to see a different design every day. I get to look at the architecture of homes. I get to meet people. I get, I get to try to make people happy, whether it's my, my crew, the sellers, the agents, um, the buyers. Like I just, it's just such a complex kind of niche market. I don't get to be on projects as much anymore, but when I do, I actually I have a ton of fun. I get to like go hook furniture upstairs, which doesn't sound like fun to most people, but I actually enjoy that very much.
1: (laughs) Oh man, when I first started I was moving furniture and doing consults and doing the whole thing. I did like literally everything. It was me and uh and one person. I had one employee. I was in such good physical shape. (laughs) It's basically like it's like going to the gym 10 hours a day. Like it is just amazing to put you in shape, man. It's crazy. Where's the best place folks to find you? Uh, you can reach me via email at
0: Daniel at spade-archer.com.
1: And what's the first step when somebody wants to do a home staging process with us? What's the first thing that they should do? First thing
0: they should do is go to our website, spade archer.com. Either if they're unsure, I would say look at our work under the menu tab. And i will take yep. you to our Instagram page. It'll show you a ton of our work that's updated all the time, uh, give okay. you a sense of our style. And I would say just after that, start with instant pricing. Um, ah. There's no obligations after that. It'll just give you an idea of what it'll cost to have us come out and get your house
1: sold for you. You filled up that instant pricing form before. How long does it take to fill out? Uh, two or three minutes. Pretty fast, yeah? How, how yeah. long does it take for you to get an email after you fill it out? 30 to 60 seconds. Well, that's really fast. All right, cool. Fantastic. All right, so I'm going to talk about our credits. And then do you want? Do, can you mind if I come back and do some skydiving with you and Henry Cavill? How do you say his last name? Cavill? Cavill? Cavill. Yeah. Cavill. Do you yeah. mind if I, I come back and hang with you guys? Let's do it okay cool so first off want to say thank you so much for all the people who've reached out to tell us our stories i really appreciate that and if you've got a story that you want to tell you can find us at spade-archer.com um, our music is written composed and performed by joff metz you can find him at fivestarguitars.com. my absolute best friend in the world love you joff um our editing is done by richie richie you always make us sound smart i appreciate it so much and uh we will see you next time Behind the Yard
0: Sign. This production of Behind the Yard Sign was brought to you live from the Spade and Archer Studios. Spade and Archer Design Agency is the world's first guaranteed home stager.